under your butt. I'm, of course, surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Whoa, it's us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. Welcome to it, folks. So let me we in. are back. New music. Oh, yeah. In a new episode of the Joey Clark Radio Hour. Alongside me this evening, Brandon God's Get Ross. How you What's doing? What's going on? What's going on, man? Good stuff, man. I like this. I like it a lot. Yeah. Folks can call up if they want to know what the song is. 272-9228. And it's going to be kind of a potpourri show tonight. Ooh. Before we get into, like, news items, we've got, well, some snowflake alerts. Oh. No, really, it is that cold outside. You really think it's going to snow and stick I this time? No, I don't think it is. But I saw some flurries that weren't sticking last time I got this cold in Montgomery. But on a personal note, you were just telling me that you were up in, well, Detroit. Stomping Grounds, Detroit. Yeah. yeah. And you, I mean, you were having trouble breathing, you said? Was yeah. Cold? Well, well the, no, the thing is, I guess being down here the last few years, you know, my body has gotten used to being down here. Right. So when you go back to that and trying to breathe that cold air, it it makes your body work. Right. Oh, yeah. And I can't, it's not a, like, higher altitude in Detroit. No, no, no. no. I hear that is nuts. No, like, no, no. You no. go to it, some places in Colorado and you can't breathe. Oh, oh yeah. Just that, doing normal activity. And, and you know what? That's why... I, I think the Broncos were a cheat code back in the nineties, oh, and the Rockies too, like oh, home run man. derbies. Oh and, yeah, though I mean those guys are winded. Yeah, but Mark McGuire and Sosa and Bonds all used a different cheat code than altitude. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's. Um, but before we get into the news stories, uh, it's you know it's tough out there. Like the news stories today uh, made me think of. Like it sometimes makes me think of poetry. Ooh. Poetry, yes. Why, why is that? Um, well, well, let's give a, a quote. Like one of my favorite poems uh, of all time is uh, one by W. H. Auden. Okay. And here's the line. It's a good little line. It says, "Looking up at the stars, I know quite well that for all they care, I can go to hell. But on Earth, indifference is the least we have to dread from man or beast." Hmm. And he, he goes on to end it, uh, and this I believe the poem is called The More Loving One. Uh, but it essentially says, if equal affection cannot be, let the more loving one be me. So this idea is that, okay, okay, you can feel alone looking up at the stars. Of course. Like, what the hell do they care about you? But it would be nice... If that was the worst we had to fear from our fellow human beings, let alone, like, some lion or tiger or bear or whatever 
actual predator is going to... Well, none of those compared to the predatory behavior of human beings, but... Well, I mean... You it, know what I mean, though, now? Yeah, but the, but the crazy thing is, if you look at the news nowadays, it's just... Man, it's like one disaster after another. Exactly. Exactly. And that's why I'm thinking of poetry like this. Now, again, that poem was Auden, more loving one, the more loving one. I can't forget that T-H-E at the beginning, that article right there. But then it reminds me of another poem, especially when you said, looking at the news. Now, this might sound a little harsh. Okay, okay. But you just mentioned it. You just mentioned the news, Brandon. Okay. Here's how this poem begins. It's called The Genius of the Crowd. Okay. Quote, There is enough treachery, hatred, violence, absurdity, and the average human being to supply any given army on any given day. Yeah. Talk about coming right out of the gate. Well, you have to, you have to think that if you look at the violent imaginations of just one person, mm-hmm. it's enough to supply a hundred wars. Well, and then think about this. And this isn't just a point of hypocrisy. Here's the next line. And the best at murder are those who preach against it. And the best at hate are those who preach love. And the best at war, finally, are those who preach peace. Hypocrites. It could be hypocrites, but it could also be people preach certain things because they know what they're capable of. So they try to guard against it. There are hypocrites. Well, well, no, you you look at, that's just like here, the the quote-unquote Bible Belt. Yeah. But, God forbid, more cheating goes on here. Well, right, we're all sinners, Brent. Yeah. Yeah, no, but. I've actually I've heard that. Well, and and that's that is a mistake. People try to hold themselves up as, as saints when, I mean, really, what we're taught, especially in Christianity, is we're all sinners. We all fall and falter, and we're very uh, prone to that stuff. But uh, it's in no, it's more to me like there's, it's difficult to find people that will preach peace and talk about the horrors of war more than a soldier's actually been in it. And I think that you've seen more of that around the 60s in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. A lot of those first vets that came back and joined the hippie movement. Now, oh, a, lot yeah. of people, a lot of people were surprised by that, but you had a lot of soldiers who came back with blown off legs and was like, hey, we want peace. Right, and I think there are a lot of people who, who are very good at war. Like, if we got to go to war, we're ready, but we're going to preach peace. It's something I've heard about the uh, martial arts world. Like, guys that are really good at hurting somebody with their bare hands, do not go and just get into random fights. Well, well, you know what I mean? Well, no, because you you don't. It's like it's having the power, but having mm. the wisdom not to use it. Exactly. But here's the thing. That first line, enough treachery, hatred, violence, absurdity, and the average human being to supply any given army on any given day. And that means that we definitely, the least we have to fear from our fellow human beings is not indifference. I wish sometimes that's all we had well, to fear. Well, you that think- people were just callous and cold and didn't care and didn't think about one another. That's a problem. We yeah. gotta, we're in this together. But that's, I mean, there's sometimes people just are on the, they're on the march. They are like an army on the march looking for the latest thing that they can take down. Yeah, but, I mean, that's just like, think about the politics of here. You know, you have certain employees that just push your buttons on any any given day. Yeah. 
you know, they bump into you or they make a mistake and you just, for a split second, your imagination just goes to something so twisted. Ooh, anger, yeah. Like and, and, and you catch yourself. You're right. like, okay, I'm, I'm in the moment. Oh, I think we've all been there. I think I don't trust many people. Some people, don't get me wrong, are that in tune with themselves and whether it's prayer or meditation, whatever it is, they don't have those thoughts. But I think most people will have those thoughts. Like, when somebody says to me, I've never wished anybody dead. I, I wouldn't trust that Give guy. me a break. But, see, me, I, I trust the guy more in the room that's a jerk. Right. Because he's more in tune to himself and he's more honest about himself. You know, rather than the nice guy that everybody loves. No. I don't trust that guy. No, I like the people that speak their minds. That, you know, they might be a little rude or it might ruffle my feathers a little bit, but I kind of know that they have a, a center, a moral compass that they're coming from. Even if I get that, yeah, I might not completely agree with them. What I don't like is, it's getting back to the name of this poem, the genius mm. of the crowd. That it's the crowd. And wherever the mob's going, wherever the crowd's going, but he makes it clear, the poet's Charles Bukowski, what, their genius isn't their love, because he claims their love is average. Their genius isn't their art. They're not really able to make art. Here's the doozy of a line. He says, but their genius, the crowd, that's who he means. Not individual people with their own unique personalities. But, and but the mob mentality. The mob mentality, the crowd mentality. The genius of the crowd is their hatred. There's enough genius in their hatred to kill you to kill anybody. Not wanting solitude, not understanding solitude. They will attempt to destroy anything that differs from their own. They will consider their failure as creators only as a failure of the world. And not being able to love fully, they will believe your love incomplete and they will hate you. Well, think about people who have different ideologies mm -hmm. from us. Yeah. You know, and they're ridiculed for it a lot of times instead of just, okay, well, let me hear you out. Okay, I right. don't agree with that. But, I mean, if that's your thing, that's, that's cool. Well, and there's some terrible things out there in this world. Like, real injustices that I think make everybody step back. And maybe not in the fullest extent of it. It's just another news story. You're like, oh, that's sad. I wish that didn't happen. But... Uh, the shooting that happened in Birmingham, Ooh. where E.J. Bradford was shot wrongfully. Yeah. Uh, and there's a, well, autopsy report commissioned by the family that came out today. Mm -hmm. And it essentially says the young man uh, was shot in the back. Uh, he was running away. Of course. And, uh, again, the police and the head of Aaliyah... And even the, the local councilmen there are, are saying, hold on, we're, we're going to come with the facts. But just the whole thing is a perfect example of like a terrible, terrible thing gone wrong. And I have to agree with what the father said in this press conference today. Because we can talk all about like failures of training, mm -hmm. police department protocol. I mean, we can come up with all sorts of political, systematic ways that we can solve this. And we can talk about uh, all sorts of legacies. And Well, well, my, my whole thing is, it's pretty much just politics as usual. You know, especially when it comes to that. I mean, we see that up north all the time. You know, that's but really... Bradford's not. father was a police officer himself. Mm-hmm. 
But so that, he has no. So he has a place of like understanding, like understand what it's like to be an officer. And here's what he said today in this press conference: My son was murdered by this officer, and that was cowardice. You shoot a 21-year-old person running away from gunfire. Never pose you a threat. Never had nothing in his hand. Why did you shoot him? You can't explain that to me because that ain't training. That's cowardice. You're a coward. <clears throat> when I read that today, it kind of solidified it for me. It's not like we can talk about like police training and you know, and, and we we have talked politics about that as usual, right? Yeah. But the way that dad put that as a failure of character on that officer's part, you're a coward. You don't have the courage to be able to go into a situation that is dangerous, but you signed up for it, like I signed up for it. And you failed it. Well, uh, this situation. And then you ran my son's name through the muck and the mud, saying he was the shooter. But, but it's just terrible. But that's usually how it goes, Joey. When, that's just like when Trayvon Martin got shot. A couple weeks later, they weren't talking about George Zimmerman. They were talking about the fact, oh, he got into a couple of fights at school. Yeah. Even though he was on honor roll. I was like, okay, what teenager doesn't get into a fight? That whole situation, too, is like... But but that's always the scenario. They always try to paint the victim. Yeah. Especially when when it's like that. This is the genius of the crowd, man. And on a lot of these violent events, Mm -hmm. usually somebody ends up dead. People pick their sides. And it becomes... uh, it becomes a matter of winning and not a matter of, uh, well, figuring it out. Well, well it's a um, documentary on Netflix. The name escapes me right now, but uh, it was a woman in Detroit talking about it. She said, you know, the white media and white America does not have an incentive. You can't really incentivize them to see that, to see... The brutal, the police brutality and stuff like that, mm-hmm. because it doesn't happen to them. Not to the same degree. No. A- exactly. And well, and uh, I've heard Baron Coleman on his show make this point. I've heard many people make this point. Mm-hmm. When's the last time you know these missing person stories, like Natalie Holloway, inc- another incredibly tragic story? Yeah. Uh, also, these stories of like the girl in Iowa recently. But when's the last time you saw a missing person that the national news is following that isn't an attractive young white girl? There's your sign. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm because, just... And, and I don't... It's, it's, again, it's part of the... Like, it's not... I'm not sitting here saying, oh, the news media is just uh, racist. I think the news media is more like playing to... What they think will pull at people's heartstrings. Well, well, who owns the news media? Well, there you go. Come on now. I, of course, I'm going to push the stories I want to hear because I own the building. I own the network. I have the money for this. Mm-hmm. So you're going to say what I tell you to say. Well, and they don't. I don't think it always works that way because, well, it, it just doesn't. They don't have that much time. They hire people that. They realize the owners oh, of these well, networks. Well, well. They hire people that they know are going to have a certain perspective and well, well, present well, things in a certain well, way. Well, I give you the example. That's just like uh, Jamela Hill live, leaving uh, ESPN. Yeah, her and Michael Smith had one of the highest rated shows on ESPN. Right. 
But she steps out of line one good time, and she forgot who her owners were. Yeah. Her owners are Trump supporters. Yeah. Yeah. But if also, I can see the argument if I'm watching ESPN, and really, you're going to say that about... What did she say about the president? Um, that he... He's a white nationalist? Pretty much. All right. And there are a lot of people that vote for the president who wouldn't self-identify as that and don't think it's true. And it's That's, one thing if she said that on, say, CNN or Fox, even. But but the thing you know, is, how, how many times and, how many times does ESPN delve into politics? Oh, too often. Yeah, this is my point. But see, when it was the when it was the Kaepernick story, oh, let's run him into the ground. Yeah. But when it's our president doing something stupid, nope, we can't talk about that. Yeah, but I, I, here's, uh, uh, again, forgetting who your owners are. Yeah, but here's my point: there are a lot of different owners, there are a lot of different networks, and there are a lot of different takes and reactions. Conservatives get fired for stupid crap. Uh, progressive liberals get fired for stupid. Conservatives, crap. conservatives get fired for stupid crap. Yes. Then get hired at another network for more money. Roseanne got hired somewhere else. Didn't Roseanne? Doesn't Roseanne no. have a? A podcast or something? That she's no. No, Roseanne's a kind of a crazy old lady. Literally crazy. Uh, not to stigmatize her. Her and, story's and nuts. And will pay her. Yeah. I don't think it works as one-sided, man. This is my deal. I think there's a lot of outrage culture out there. And, uh, again, the genius of the crowd. Okay. Of let's go after this or that person. Uh, let's go after this or that person. Um, well, mentality. It's and even when you can't find uh, the like, it almost like guilt by association. Like you, you didn't do enough to stop it. You didn't do enough. Like did you, who? It's like one thing to say, like when Harvey Weinstein came out, let's go after Harvey, and then it became wait, who knew and didn't do anything. Uh, let's go well, after Cosby. Well, okay, let's go after Cosby. But who knew about this? Well, well, but this is my thing, and this is going to be the difference. Cosby is, what, in his 80s? 70s? 80s? Well, yeah. 80s. And they sent him to prison. And I'm still, I still got the bet running that Weinstein's not going to do a day. I will see. I have no clue. I haven't been following that trial close enough. But my, my point is it's get, it goes from the very serious, the very serious, and another instance of very serious that I am all for talking about is like what happened in that river uh, chase, the, the mall, the gallery in Birmingham. Yeah. Terrible. And I hope the family not only gets paid, I hope... It changes some things that, well, it makes people wake up to cowardice. What? You don't sign up for that job if you're a coward, if you're going to react that way. And, if the, and I highly doubt if it is the training, then that's a whole other conversation. Well, but well, that's that's the serious. Yeah, yeah. but at, at the same time, like I said, why do we keep waiting till deaths happen before we say it's time for a change? Why not make a change across the board? Because, well, number one, what do you mean by change? Like, as far as the officer's training, I've heard this a hundred times, and it's always after a shooting. Because it costs money. Why, 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 do we, why do we have to wait till a shooting happens before we say, oh, we need to retrain our officers? It costs money. Well, you have, you have money for the war on drugs. Right. And I think it's asinine. Of course. But it, it costs money, and there are uh, certain priorities. 
But I wish, Brandon, mm-hmm. those were the only stories that we would like talk about in those heated tones because they deserve it. Of course. What I get a little annoyed by, mm-hmm. uh, especially when it comes to so-called identity politics, and especially with younger folks, folks younger than you and I. Of course. Folks maybe in school now. Like when I was a student, even at Auburn, which was not exactly a progressive campus, but Auburn was a great school to go to. But even when I was a student, I could not stand student groups. Oh, of course not. They're so self-important. And this is coming from a talk radio host. I know self-important, all right? Yeah. They're so self-important. And so, well, blind. Well, the thing is, when you're that, in college, when you're that young, you literally think the world revolves around you. And you... And, and, and we're saving the world. And, and, and the crazy thing is, your teachers give you the impression that right. that that your voice can change yeah, everything. Change. Let's change the world. I, I, exactly. You're optimistic. Well, and, and this is what I mean. And that's why I asked you earlier, what type of change do you mean? And you gave a very good answer. Like, let's look at the type of training. I completely agree. I've talked to officers about this. It needs to be longer periods of training. If you're going to be a police officer, maybe it should be treated and paid similar to a lawyer or a doctor. Well, well, that well, amount of education, well, that amount of schooling, that amount of training. And, and that's that's what I'm saying. And what, that way in other parts it, it only world. takes, what, two years for an officer, but it takes 13 years to train a doctor? Right. And it's that that standard is applied in a lot of other parts of the developed world. It's a good idea, but here's the thing. It costs money, and it's not just money. It's the way we think about enforcing laws. And it's also beyond the police. It's to the you know guys wearing the nice collars and the nice ties who make the laws the police have to enforce. So I don't put this all on the police. Well, well no, a lot of no people but, but like, at the oh. same time, there's a reason why the symbol for justice is a blind woman with unbalanced scales. Right, well... Yeah, because she's not supposed to be picking sides. She's just supposed to be having the weight. But the scales are unbalanced, and I can't see them. Yeah, That's I think right. you're misinterpreting that statue. I, We've hey, talked about this before. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just saying, Joseph. Okay. I think you're uh, misinterpreting Lady Justice there. We, we'll, we'll get to the phones in a second. Uh, but there's something about student groups in particular that sort of ignites my uh, my hatred. Not the hatred of the crowd. I don't feel like a genius when I feel this way. But I I feel like an iconoclast. Like I want to go to some sacred object that these young kids hold dear. And I want to smash it! Right in front of their faces. You mean, and then you mean say, like an iPhone? Well, yeah, that might be it. Well, for instance, here's the story that's got me all worked up. Okay. And I'm, I wanted to cover the Birmingham thing, and right now we'll see. Um, to make clear, folks, Aaliyah is still investigating what happened in the Galleria. Uh, the authorities there in Birmingham are still investigating it. Uh, Mr. Crump, the lawyer for the family, they just came out today with an autopsy they commissioned themselves. They have said, ball in your court, authorities, and if you do not release the information soon enough... Uh, this well, it's not justice. Number one. Well, this is my thing. Are the officers off with pay? Well, that's, that's what I'm wondering. That's the standard practice: paid administrative leave. Mm. That's the standard practice. We'll see where the story goes. That's the latest in that story. Gotcha. And I brought that up because that is serious. Of 
course. Should not be, you know, I don't think it should be, it, it might be, but it should not be tossed into a partisan fight. I don't think it should be a matter of, honestly, filling into the narrative of this happens, politics as usual. I think it should be, because it is serious, what happened with that particular officer, what happened in that department, and number one, why did a police chief go up there and say things that were just not true, that you admit it were not true? It's a lot of serious questions those particular people need no, to answer. No, it's it's not it's not a question because like I said, for decades, this is it's that thin blue line that they keep talking about. Once you're a part of it, it's just like a fraternity or a brotherhood. You don't snitch on it. But fair enough, Brandon. But the reason I don't bring that up because how many people do you convince when you say that? Whereas True. instead of saying this is as usual, I want to know the officer's name. I want to know why he did it. I want to know why he's a coward. If this autopsy that was put out today is true, and I think it is. Why'd you shoot a man running away in the back? I don't know. Don't I don't want to know the larger narrative or how this plays into the politics as usual and the usual political arguments we would be having whether or not what happened in Birmingham happened. Yeah. I want to know why that particular thing happened. Because this is what I mean, and, and I'm not chastising you. My point is that the usual narratives don't serve us well. The usual narratives can be applied to something like that. Again, serious situation. Or could it be applied to this stupid student group Uh-oh. at Columbia? You know the name Namesh Patel? Sounds familiar. Yeah, he's a comedian, and he's a writer for Saturday Night Live. I think he was just nominated for an Emmy um, for his writing. Well, uh, a student group, Columbia's Asian American Alliance, AAA, invited really? Patel to perform during the group's annual charity event, uh, charity event called Culture Shock Reclaim, whatever the hell that means. Now, the title sounds a little too provocative for these, you know, kids' own taste, but that group is a true student group run by students, so it was their decision when they pulled Mr. Patel from the stage after he made a joke they deemed racist and homophobic. You know, the narrative is usual, like, oh, these people don't understand. Well, here's the apparent joke he made. He said, Patel apparently joked that being gay can't be a choice because no one looks in the mirror and thinks, this black thing is too easy, let me add something else to it. It's a joke that acknowledges that black people and gay people have suffered oppression historically. So, because he made that joke, they said, if you're black and gay, you don't need a straight South Asian guy to point out your life is hard because you're black and gay. We're at a Columbia student who was there in an op-ed. And this is what I mean by the usual narratives. You can take, I think, a way of thinking when applied correctly can be powerful. And of you course. can take it into something that is utterly silly. Well, the the... That thing is, as far as comedy, and DeAnthony would tell you this. Yeah. Comedy, when you come to a comedy show, you may get messed with. Period. 
everybody gets messed with. Well, and I think that's what the problem was. This wasn't a full-on comedy show. This was like, let's have our poetry readings and let's have this performance. But, but, but it was, was like it? some stupid festival where they're like, look how important we are. But see, that's what I'm saying. Why would you invite a comedian then? Right. Why? If you don't want to get talked about, why would you bring a comedian? That well, just and Patel pushed back on the official's remarks, who said he's now racist and homophobic. Of course And not. he said that he stood in solidarity with Asian-American identities. He is Asian-American, but none of his remarks were offensive, and he was exposing the audience to ideas that would be found in the real world. Before he could finish, Patel's microphone was cut off from offstage, and he proceeded to leave. To which all this it led to some response, like, don't tell us that the real world isn't a safe place, but this is why we have these new attitudes. And what it really comes down to, it seems like nitpicking. It seems like, hmm, I have figured out a way. Again, what's the genius of the crowd and group think? Hatred. Well, of, of, of course, but then you have to look at the fact that they basically wrap that up in one statement. PC. Yeah. You have to make your, your jokes PC. But then it constrains the, the comedian. That's why I don't even know why they would invite a comedian right. to that type. Of, and then you've seen my comedy before. Right. You know what kind of jokes I tell. Well, and then somebody asked, why would anybody go perform in front of Columbia students again? And Anthony Jesselnick whether you're a conservative or a PC snowflake or whatever, you could be a person that can really take a joke. Anthony Jesselnick will make you go, ooh, I need to take a shower. His comedy is, ooh, it's like death and stuff. It's good. I like that sort of stuff because he does. T I like free speech when people use it, make you laugh at something. We're like, I shouldn't be laughing at it. He said the reason you... Uh, well, he, he just used three words. Somebody said, why would anybody, any comedian, again, go in front of students at Columbia? And Jesselnick said, to destroy them. I like him. I like him a lot, too. Exactly. I it's like beautiful. Him all, I like him already, just because he said that. I like people that stand up in front of a crowd that does not like them and just sh shouts them down. Like, there's a classic bit of Bill Burr just shouting down a rowdy crowd in Philadelphia. It's fantastic. And it's, it's, I mean, it's over the top. It's ridiculous. Why is this important? Like, profanity-laced you know, slurs from the crowd, profanity-laced stuff from Burr. No, but it's, I love anybody that has the balls to stand up in front of what is not the so-called genius of the crowd and says, you know what? I'm not going to bend to your will. I like that a lot. And we need more of that. And we need more individuals who... Well, maybe one day. Yeah. Maybe one day. But while we're waiting for that to happen, I, I'm going to try to be the more loving one being me. I don't, I, I, you know, those flashes of like you get annoyed by somebody. I'm not going to, you know, actually wish anybody dead. I'm going to try to be a loving, caring, thoughtful individual. Try. Yeah. That's no, all. That's what you can yeah, do. Yeah, that's all we can do. Right. It's like the, you know, I, I think I can, I think I can with that little oh, engine. Trying. Yeah. Little little engine, engine that could. could. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, and he did. He could and he did. And maybe I will be like that little engine. I'll get up that hill. And I think I can. I think it can. And, yeah, but then now I'm hearing the voice of Yoda saying, do not try, do, or whatever the Ooh. hell he said. Yeah. It's just, uh, 
it's a frustrating time, Brandon, because there are serious things in the news, and then I see stuff like that, and I uh, can't take it. Well, and then I mean, you, I mean, why let stuff like that bother you? Because it doesn't really. Because in, in, inherently, and, and George Carlin said this. Yeah. And he said it in front of a crowd. He said, inherently, most people are dumber than you think they are. And, and the whole crowd, because he had him for a minute, because yeah. he paused at that moment, and everybody's leaning in. He's like, are dumber than they think they oh, are. The, and, yeah. and, and it was just like, whoa. Oh, the, the nincompoopery is alive and well. Oh, man. They very much are alive and well. And I'll let, let you in on a little secret. What's that? I'll let you in on it, Brandon. I'll let the audience in on it. There are many... Uh, Times, I wake up in the morning, especially when I'm feeling like high and mighty, like confident, like I look good, I feel good, smell good, like I'm making money, I'm thinking the right things, I'm popular, man. And I look in the mirror and I go, oh crap, I've seen the booth and he is me. I'm a big fat moron. Like, get out there, you schmuck, and try to make something of yourself. Hey. This is some bootleg stuff, and I can't get into the whole song. But I wanted this, the line in this song, I want to tell a lot of girls have broken my heart over the years. And I think what's the beginning of If You See Me Walking Down the Street One Day, Don't Say Nothing to Me. Okay, you done me wrong when I was feeling bad, so bad I didn't think I could make it. So if you see me, walk on by, do yourself a favor. Don't Keep on walking. Mm. It's good stuff. I like that. It's one of my favorites. But I can't play too much of it because we got people on the line. We got oh. things to talk about. Serious things to talk serious about. Serious things to talk Well, silly and serious. Okay. What okay. happened in Birmingham, and I'm talking about folks because the latest news came out. The family sort of said, authorities, ball's in your court now. And the father made a pretty powerful statement. I have to say, as a guy who used to be an officer himself, for him to say to an officer that you're a coward is uh, well, it's a call-out. It's rightfully so. So let's go to the phones, 272-9228. And the silly stuff is, you know, yeah. student groups. Of course. Give me a break. Hey, Robert, how you doing? Hi, Jim. How you doing tonight? I'm all right. I'm all right. Well, on the Birmingham shoot. Mm-hmm. I understand that the uh, young man was shot in the back, right? Yep, three times. I understand the father calling the officer a coward because he has been an officer once himself, right? Right. Correct. But had he ever been in a situation that the officer was in? You got to understand, I have been in a shootout once before in my lifetime. And when you're in the middle of a shootout, the peripheral vision is all you got. What's in front of you and what's on the side of your eyes from, from left to right. Everything else is blocked out. I'm telling you guys, been there. It, it was in a crowded area. But understand, I'm, I, this officer did not get up that morning and say, hey, I'm going out and I'm going to kill me somebody this morning. He did not say that. I'm quite sure he didn't. When he got there, right. he, he was called to a, a scene that was an active, active shooter. Right? Okay. Right. Once he said he sees a suspect, not a, not a subject, but a suspect. This suspect is now, uh, he's capable. Of, he's not harming me because his back is turning. He's fleeing from me. 
but uh, do he pose a harm to anyone else? You right. got to put that in the mask also now. Now, if I freeze for one second or two, how many more people would lose their lives because I froze because I'm trying to make a split decision on shall I shoot or shall I not shoot? We we had to look at all that too, gentlemen. Oh well, no, and I I um I think you're doing a valuable thing. Is that put yourself in the man's shoes? Right, put yourself in shoes. Just because you was an officer, uh, there's a lot of people in the military. No people have been in combat. See what I'm coming? Yeah, we got you. We got you. All right. Yeah, okay. Now, because he's saying that his that he can't call his man a coward because he probably never stood toe to toe. Wait, 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 wait. It, it just okay. You could say put yourself in somebody's shoes, but. Even if you're in that situation, is cowardice a real thing, Robert? And and you know, plus and plus, you have to look at the fact he lost his son. And and we can under, put ourselves in the father's shoes and kind of understand where he's coming from. But I, no, I but think, Robert, my question to you is: cowardice a real thing? Cowardice is a real thing. Okay, but this y'all look at it. And even this, if it isn't a conscious thing, it is displayed sometimes thing. in the heat of battle. In the heat of battle, some people freeze and some people overreact. Yes. Okay, now. And once again, let's, let's, let's get some reality here. I'm quite sure this gentleman did not wake up that morning and say, I'm going to go out and kill me a black man. I agree. We, okay. we all agree with that. Yes. So we agree on that. Now, let's get to this point. Once he got there on the scene, an active shooter, and you, you observe a suspect with a weapon, although his back is turned to you. Now, are he a threat to you? No. But he's a threat to the other 800 people in the building. That is possible. That is possible. And that is possible. Yes. Now, and the, the, the last thing I would like to say is this officer should be fired, not 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 allowed to resign. He should be fired. Now, once he be fired, he should not never be able to put himself in this situation again. Agreed. Correct. Well, and here's the here's what's got me worked up about it, Robert. Is who lied about who that young man who was killed was? The mayor. The mayor is corporal. Well, but I don't think it started the mayor, or they weren't there. Who who gave him that information? The first night he said, I stand 100% behind my officer. Yeah. He should have never said that till he found the facts. Right. Somebody lied and told the mayor that. Somebody said right. something. The information, wrong information came from somewhere, and that's what the authorities need to get to the All bottom right. of someone get, Okay, I'm in leadership. Leadership takes on, like George Bush, I mean, W. Bush said, leadership is honor, respect, and and the integrity. Yes. That was his word. Correct. Okay, once, right. you, once you hand me something, I'm going to do a fact check before I repeat what you hand me because I am the leader. Amen. Exactly. I, I can't put out what you bring me. I'm going to take what you bring me in consideration. Words matter, yeah. Because once I speak this stuff, once I speak this stuff from my lips, it cannot be reversed as a, a mistake as a leader. Yeah. I got you. I got oh, you. Oh, yeah. And I'm not... Not no. trying to shirk any responsibility to, of the you leaders. You know how many times people come forth and mayors come forth and say, don't jump to conclusion until we get all the facts. But don't speak then until you get all the facts. Yep. And that's why it's so messed up. It's just uh, so many reasons it's messed up. And I appreciate the call, Robert. I got to go. Oh. And let's go to Dan. Hey, Dan, how you doing? I'm doing good. I just repeat everything the young man just said. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. So you've been in them boots. You're putting your life on the line, charging into a situation, and you got a guy running away with a gun in his hand, and you tell him to stop. I don't know if that's going to come out. If he don't stop, you shoot him. 
Right. And this is why we need more facts to come out. Because exactly right now right. We're, we're speculating. But, you know, that guy comes into work every day putting his life on the line for us. Right. And we all make mistakes, but if he told him to stop and he didn't stop, that's a legal shooting. Well, let me give a, a different example. You remember, of course, what happened in Parkland, Florida, right? Uh, you know, the, shoot, yeah. the, the school shooting. And yeah. one of the sheriff deputies just stayed outside. Well, he should have went his ass in. Yeah, he was a coward. There's God, examples of cowardice. And, yeah, uh, but this guy, this guy responded. Yeah, you know, he did he's respond. Putting life on, he's putting our life, his life on the line for all of us. And no, and, I, and, dude, and in, in no way am I trying to... Dude, he right. didn't know this dude had a... Doing a legal thing, he had a concealed carry permit. Right. But when you see the police come into the thing, if you, you're carrying a gun, you say, whoa, whoa, I'm putting mine down. Y'all got the situation. But if you're running with a gun in your hand, how does he know who he is? Uh, how does he know he's not the active shooter? Uh, if, he, if he's right there at the right time. Know what I mean? Yes, it's a very difficult situation. Yeah, and that's what they that's what police officers do every day. And, and we we understand that and we appreciate that, but at at the same time we just gotta wait till more facts come out. I'm we, not certain he had a gun brandished it, it, in his hand. Exactly. That was an initial report, but that was one of the initial reports. Right, but, we need we need to find out more. And and let me be clear. In no way, and this is why these situations are so difficult to talk about, when you criticize one person for failing on that very difficult job, it doesn't take away all the good jobs they've done before necessarily, and certainly not other officers who do the right thing. Exactly. And in fact, I think when people screw up, when they have this awesome responsibility, we need to be careful about it and not, you know, it's nothing need to be a witch hunt. Don't need to be burning people to the stake, but we need to. When people are given an awesome responsibility, they need to be held accountable when they screw up. Great power, well, yeah, great responsibility. But, you know, when you you talk about witch hunt, now you're throwing something into there. Police officers don't go to work every day looking for a witch hunt. They go out there trying to make things good for everybody. Well, I, I agree. Yes. You know, it ain't. It ain't like you go to work every day saying, I'm going to kill somebody. Right. Of course, of course. And I haven't said that. And, and, and that's and what most, the last... Oh, go most, police officers, most police officers never fire their guns right. in a hostile manner during their whole career. To be honest with you, most of it's physical. Yes. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, yeah, because I, I, I retired after 32 years. Yes, sir. I fired my gun twice in 32 years, and that was a exceptional amount. Okay. I was, I was about to say, that's... Well, and like you said, not like you were looking to go out there and do that. Exactly. You were just trying that's to it. keep the peace. Right. It's a very difficult but job. every time you go to work, you know you make, you're putting your life on the line every time we need to support the blue 
All right, I appreciate really doing it. Oh, I appreciate the call, Dan, and your your idea. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's one it's one of those things that gets people heated, right? Yeah, but to remind everybody, we have to keep our passions contained to a certain extent. Well, to a certain extent. Um. Well, and just for the record, uh, Dan got a little, not in an angry way, he just passionately exactly. dropped a certain as word a, there. That's fine. As I a understand that. Yeah. yeah, I understand that. Well, and yes, I can try to put myself in an officer's shoes and also put myself in a father's shoes. But, but then at the same time... Especially a father's been an officer. Exactly. And the thing is, as a civilian... No, I can't put myself in an officer's shoes. I can't put myself in an Army Ranger's shoes. None of that. But father is closer to, you know, something that, I'm, mm. that I've been or becoming. So, yeah, I can put myself in his shoes. And, yes, I'm more empathetic to his side of the story. But the, and the icing on the cake of the story is he's a former officer. Right. So he knows. Right. You know, so you can't really argue too much. Well, the only reason I bought, brought this up. Uh, wasn't to get into, did the police wake up someday and want to go shoot this kid? Obviously, they didn't. Yeah. they. That's not how the police operate. I brought it up because it's a serious situation that deserves the best we can in terms of understanding it. And it needs to be sp- spoken about, you know. And especially b- by being so close to us. You know, Birmingham's not that far. Right. And it does suggest a conversation about how we give out this responsibility that is difficult. It's an incredibly tough job. What the pay should be for it, what the education and training should be for it. Oh, the education and training should definitely be longer, I think. Well, and, and then let's be honest. That even if you up the pay and you up the training, the education... Tragedies would still happen. Well, y- yeah, but we're perfect. Well, well not not perfect. only that. You're taking people who have only been surrounded by one group their whole life yeah. as a cadet, and now you're putting him in a place and surrounding him Stop. with people that he doesn't know anything about, but what he's seen on TV. Well, and, there, and you know, there are people trying to figure this out. But of again, the reason I brought this up is that the conversation should be our very best efforts understand all sides to understand how it can be improved exactly and, uh, and if we can't do it on a situation like this mm-hmm. and you know what makes me worry that we're not going to be able to why is the crap like that student group I brought up is you, that you if must, this you must is, not belong to any student groups at Auburn not really okay because no it's like when I hear what are supposedly supposed to be young educated people and the way they react very emotionally, and in terms of like my group identity, how dare you, if you are different, say anything about a group that's different that you don't belong to, even if you're empathizing with that group? Well, how dare you? Well, well, but see, it's ridiculous. He, here's the key key point to your it statement: that, people that that you just said, college students are young. What 
Yes. They're, they're adults, but they're young, young adults. Yes. So they're led with their emotions. Right. You know, easily, in fact. Well, and I mean, people get older and wiser, and you learn how to control their emotions, but even people who have got some age on their belts are still emotional. Human beings are emotional. And honestly, we're... Uh, the least we have to fear from our uh, fellows here on Earth is indifference. Exactly. Now, indifference isn't a good thing. It's pretty bad. That I worry sometimes when you see these tragedies that happen, just out of like because there are so many that and, you, and, and you they have just to, you and become they just desensitized. Keep, yeah, they kind of just keep happening. Like this summer, it was like every other day there was a shooting happening. Or in like, I mean, in, in a way, you ask yourself. Have there been this many school shootings? Have and and maybe the media just didn't have a way to broadcast it like yeah, that? Yeah, because ac- if you look at the stats long term, actually things are down. Now, the way we classify things gets a little tricky. How you run the data is a little tricky. But like when you think of, you know, it's not just shootings. It's like this hurricane, this powerful hurricane came in, or this tsunami hit this part of the world. or Like the news well, seems well, to always be about the, the negative. Well, but, well... There's a reason for that. But right. at, at, at the same time, you also have to look at stats like <clears throat> if something happened in Prattville mm. and on the news, instead of saying Prattville, they would say the Montgomery area because mm. a lot of stats got hit like that back in the day. Oh, well, yeah. And you have to look at, uh, yes, how media is presented and my point here is that it's very difficult not to become cynical in a particular way. Because there's so much information happening so quickly these days. It's very difficult not to either become hypersensitive, like this stupid student group, or become incredibly cynical and indifferent. So, and so, so what would you suggest? I mean, what, something in between? Well, I would go back to the line of... Uh, What's that poem? If equal affection cannot be, let the more loving one be me. Yeah. So if I can't completely understand something, and even if I'm talking to somebody who doesn't want to understand me, um, I'll try to be the more loving one. Though it doesn't always work out that way. No, it, it very rarely does. Yeah, it's it's very difficult. And I understand that uh, that officer, we don't know his name yet. Okay. Uh, he didn't wake up that morning wanting to do what he did. But there are consequences for actions. Now, I'm not talking about legal ones right now. Mm-hmm. You make a mistake, somebody died. That's a big mistake, though. Did the kid make a mistake? We need more facts. Well, we can't. Hear- I can also put myself in the shoes of that father. Yeah, but we but we'll never hear his side of the story. Yeah. Right, it's time already, huh? Thank you for joining me, Brandon. Oh, anytime, man. Let's follow serious stories like that, and then we'll cover some silly crap later. Got gotcha. you. Have a good night. <sighs> <sighs>